If you've ever felt like your character traits, your personality, or any other inherent qualities that you possess are some of the things contributing to holding you back from something like recovering from an eating disorder, finding food freedom, improving your body image, or really anything else, then I want you to absolutely hang out for today's episode because by the end, you're going to understand what it looks like to not just see those aspects of who you are as liabilities or limiting factors, but you're going to know what it looks like and how to understand that you can start seeing those things as assets that can actually propel you forward to get you closer to your goals and maybe that extra level of food freedom. So hang out for today's episode with my special guest, Sarah Lee, as we get ready to dive into understanding our traits as not just liabilities, but assets. Welcome to the Joy-Filled Eater Podcast, the show that helps you cultivate a joy-filled relationship with food, your body, and Jesus. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm a Christ-centered registered dietitian and eating disorder recovery coach on a mission to help you break free from the bondage of food guilt and body shame so that you can start fueling your physical, mental, and spiritual health all from a place of joy. We'll be spilling the tea on all things diet culture, even in the church. Think of this as your weekly dose of nutrition and body image real talk mixed with biblical encouragement from your Southern bestie. If you love Jesus, are sick of having negative body image, and wish food didn't feel so complicated, then welcome, friend. This show is for you. So grab your coffee, get comfy, and prepare to be challenged. This is the Joyful Eater Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of the Joyful Eater Podcast. You guys are in for a treat today because we are going to be, I have got a special guest here with me today. Y'all are going to meet Sarah in just a second, but we are going to be talking about a topic that maybe a lot of you haven't even considered when it comes to looking at eating disorder recovery and food freedom. Um, And that topic really has to do with our individual personality and character traits. And so I'm going to let Sarah dive into this a little bit more. Um, But first, let's just welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I'm so excited that you are here joining me um, on the show today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here too. I've been so looking forward to chatting with you and being on your podcast. So thank you for having me. Yeah, Sarah, um, you and I met officially at the In His Image conference in person last year, which was so fun. We got to, I'll have to share maybe when the when the episode airs, like yeah. one of the pictures we got all together of us. It was so fun. Um, and we're going to get to hang out again this year. By the time you guys are listening to this conversation, we will... Um, It'll be right around the time that we're having the conference. So hopefully some of you will be there joining us or have joined us already. Um, But the topic we are really getting into today, Sarah, really, like I was saying, has to do with our character traits. And oftentimes we see those. We think about like, oh, you know, I have this type A personality or I was just born with this particular trait and it's keeping me back from like, I'm not ever going to be able to recover. This is just how I am. So I'm really excited to get into this conversation, but before we do that, I would love, um, just for our listeners who don't have the privilege of knowing you yet, I would love for you to introduce Mm -hmm. yourself a little bit and tell us who you are and what you do, who you serve, all the good things. Wonderful. All the good things. Um, Well, first of all, as you said, my name is Sarah Lee. Easy to remember. I get teased about my name sometimes. Um, I am a certified eating disorder recovery coach. And um, in addition to that, I myself have been recovered from bulimia 17 years, 
Brittany, and I'm super proud of that. And it just goes to show that you can be fully recovered, having your eating disorder a thing of the past. Um, if I did it, I know many others can do it too, and I have helped other people do it. So not only do I have the lived experience, um, but um, about seven, eight years ago, I had a calling. The Lord placed a calling in my heart to help other women um, break free of, you know, the food rules and the prison that we often put ourselves in and the body shame. And now lots of times when the Lord asks us to do something, we're like, how am I going to do that? <laughs> I was, yeah. I was in um, the big banking corporate world. So even thinking of mental health, I'm like, what? So, um, but if he calls you to do something, he makes a way to do it too. Right. Amen. So yeah. I, I quickly found myself um, in my first certification program, and now I am here today with you, have run my very successful practice for almost seven years, have four coaching certifications, and now uh, the dream of helping others break free, I'm actually doing that. Um, a coach, just to touch on that quickly before we dive into the topic, because this is one of my favorite topics in the recovery world, uh, what is a coach? We're definitely different than the rest of the treatment team, your dietitians, your therapists, anybody else. And how I like to describe it is we're very focused on the how and the right now. Mm -hmm. We are focused on behavioral change in the moment. So we're not going backwards. We're not working through trauma. We're working on how is that impacting you today? with your relationship with food and body. And not only are we, um, Brittany, you know, we have weekly sessions, which could be food challenges, exposure, all kinds of real time type uh, um, just experiences, but we're mm -hmm. also available to clients in between sessions. So we're the person you're literally texting when you're saying, I can't eat my lunch or I can't meet my meal plan today, or I feel very triggered because my dad just made X, Y, Z for dinner. Like we're really in the trenches um, with our clients. So that's just a, um, an overview of what a coach does. If no one, if your listeners have never heard of, what, of me or anybody else. Yes. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because um, I, I play a couple of different roles in my business, depending on what I'm doing, but I have collaborated, like as a dietitian, I've collaborated with coaches before. And one of one of my favorite things about collaborating and working with coaches is as a dietitian, there are certain boundaries that I have to maintain from an ethical standpoint. And even just from like, you know, my family, what our schedule looks like, there's lots of different ways I provide support. However, having an extra, having a coach on hand is a fantastic tool because you can get so much of that like real-time support or say like mm -hmm. you can come and say hey my dietitian gave me this challenge this week can you help me be accountable to implementing it right That's so it, it gives you those extra touch points yeah. and those like I need a cheerleader in my corner right now That's and I right. need somebody who gets it to to That's connect right. with me and not tell me I'm crazy for feeling this way. That's right. So, <laughs> I, I can literally it. say, no, I've been there. I get it. I know what you're feeling right now and really take away some of that shame and be able to push forward. Yes. So I love that. Um, now you mentioned, you mentioned shame and we've talked about a couple, I, I alluded to like 
perfectionism or type A kind of personality stuff earlier. And so I want to dig into this and focus on this yeah. today because it is, it is one of the things that like, I, I feel like it makes me maybe the most sad of a lot of the different struggles that I hear women um, with when they come to me and they're like, Brittany, I just, I don't even have hope that I'm not even sure that recovery is totally possible for me. I know it's probably possible for other people and you wouldn't be doing what you were doing if you didn't believe that. But I just like, I just don't know if it's for me. And so when I start asking them why it's like, well, you know, I, you know, I am very type A and so I have a hard time being flexible or, um, I have this particular aspect of my personality that just makes me an anxious person. I'm just an anxious person. And that to me, like, like, Oh, but, but there's so much, there's so much to that. And we've got to, we've got to be careful with the way that you're talking about yourself. And so what I find is when people are criticizing themselves or thinking like, I can't possibly recover from a disordered relationship with food or my body because of these aspects of my character traits, like anxiety being, a perfectionist, quote unquote, right? Right. That what ends up happening is that we start convincing ourselves that growth is too hard or it's not possible and that we're we're never going to fully recover. We're going to have to just park it and be content with that sort of term. Maybe some of you guys have heard like quasi recovery or this right. is as good as it's going to get. Right. And that, that breaks my heart because that doesn't have to be the case. That's right. So, that's so right. Sarah, what have you seen? Like, what kind of difference can it make for a person when, if she's struggling, once she finally starts understanding herself and her own mm-hmm. unique character traits? Mm-hmm. Well, first off, I also had the thoughts. I don't know if I can recover. I also had the thoughts of, um, I'm not even sure if I want recovery. And that was, that's just my honest truth. Mm -hmm. So if someone would have told me way back then that today I'd be sitting on a podcast with you, Brittany, talking about this, I'd have said, no way. So I just want to address that comment too. First of all, people, people have probably heard the phrase, it's not about the food when we're talking about eating disorders, right? And that phrase came about to try to explain the complexity of eating disorders and disordered Mm -hmm. eating patterns, right? So it's not about the biology makeup of food. It is more about the biology makeup of the individual, which is fueled by culture and other vulnerability risk factors. So you bring up, for example, you know, being a more anxious person and feeling like that is a roadblock. But, you know, we can use that once we understand our traits and temperaments, whether they were hardwired into us with through genetics, whether they were learned behaviors. Once we understand that, we can then direct that trait in a way that's very positive for us. So, for example, myself, um, some of my traits that made me vulnerable to an eating disorder was I could be perfectionistic. I tend to be more anxious. Um, You just arrived as type A. I can check those boxes. Um, And I have a bit of- In true type A fashion, right? Checking the boxes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You should see my checklist over here today. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I also have a bit of impulsivity to my nature. So this explains perfectly 
right? Why um, I got really good grades in school. I was also fun because of my little bit of impulsivity. Um, I also was a bank manager at the age of 19. I also bought my first home at 20. But when those same traits were then directed towards food, it launched me into an eating disorder. So it explains why when I went to Weight Watchers to lose weight from um, my, my, the pregnancy weight that I gained, my perfectionism and my anxiety, like I didn't get why you wouldn't have the lowest Weight Watcher points and why you wouldn't go to every meeting and weigh in and celebrate. Like I did all the things perfectly and didn't realize that that is an issue, right? And I couldn't understand why other people at the Weight Watchers meetings would not do that. Like to me, that didn't make sense. But that also, it also explains what the impulsivity as soon as around the six month mark, Brittany, I felt for the first time ever, I went over my Weight Watcher points for that day. I felt um, a sense of impulsivity um, and I don't want to trigger anybody, but I talk very realistic. So I just want to put that out there yeah. right now. In that moment, my thought was, I cannot keep this food in my body. There's no way. And that um, discomfort launched me in the impulsivity of binging and purging those behaviors as well. So it makes sense that I had bulimia with my traits and temperaments of perfectionism and anxiousness and impulsivity and struggled with that for seven years. But once you understand, once I understood, it didn't feel like I'm doomed. This is like, how do I get rid of this? Once I realized like, hey, my perfectionism, if I point that in the way of passion and, and now today I use that in helping my clients because I'm very intense. I'm going to do everything I can to help somebody. Um, my anxiety, learning to like calm myself and knowing that nature is super healing to me. Um, and then knowing that on the positive side, anxiousness means your high energy. So you need to get out that energy <laughs> in a positive way. And then lastly, like impulsivity as an asset can mean I'm spontaneous and it, it, can make me a lot of fun, like with my grandson who just turned one and I'm on the floor playing in boxes and all kinds of stuff with him. So when we can turn it and see these traits not as just all doom and gloom and darkness, right? And turn them into the light, they can very much work for us. Yes. Okay. So, so you just mentioned several personal examples there of different traits, right? So yep. like having some impulsivity or like a tendency towards that, um, being perfectionistic or having some of those tendencies. I like to refer to traits even as tendencies because we're more than just our traits, right? So yes. like, I, I kind of lean towards perfectionistic, right? But for me, there's also areas of my life that that doesn't hold true. And so there are, I think, at, at least for me, one of the things that I really like to think about when it comes to even describing ourselves, I'm really careful with the way I use the word, the phrase, I am blank. Yeah. Because we can really easily latch on to a label or an identity with that. And so being able to notice like, hey, I, I tend to be perfectionistic in these areas, mm -hmm. right? 
or Mm -hmm. because you're again it keeps you from labeling yourself as a perfectionist that's right because when you do that it's almost like it's hard to recover if I am a perfectionist because it doesn't feel possible although you just gave us some really great personal examples of okay well how can I use that tendency or how can I use that trait to my advantage with that's right right that's right so so there's got to be room for that personal compassion and grace in the process too, not to even label these traits as like, well, this is beneficial and this is not, but how can I take this, this thing that maybe has felt like a barrier and how can I flip that around into something helpful okay? that's right. or into something that you mentioned like would be an asset versus a liability, right? That's, so, that's right. So can you maybe give some other examples of traits? You mentioned a few, like what are some that clients... Um, maybe regularly come to you with that you're working with um, that say, okay, well, Sarah, I just have not figured out how to make this particular aspect of my personality or character trait. It just feels like a liability. How can I possibly make this an asset? Do you have any other examples of that? Maybe that you can give for someone who says, I'm not type A or perfectionistic, but I do struggle with these other things. 100%. Um, One that comes to mind that often comes up is compulsive. and people can feel very out of control. And so they'll use the word that I'm just compulsive. And that can show up not just with food, but maybe with like shopping or other things, right? Mm-hmm. So if we look at that as a tendency, to use your word, a tendency that leans into a, a place where it's negative and it's not really serving us well, and that's not uh, what we want to engage in, right? Then The opposite side of that, if you have a compulsivity to your nature and that tendency is that you can be very driven. So think about being compulsive. There's like, there's right, Brittany, there's like a fuel, a fire, like, oh, I've got to do this thing. So when you think of that, that's some drive. So if you can use that part of you, that tendency within you to do good in the world, I mean, imagine, I always say, Brittany, like if you can heal from a disordered relationship with food, eating disorder specifically, you can pretty much do anything because you learn yourself and you can, uh, you know, direct all your energy in a really good way. Yes, I I love that. So, so there are obviously two sides of the coin for most every aspect, right? You can look for the quote unquote good or bad in something or just to say, hey, this is beneficial and this feels like a barrier, right? If you need some alliteration, I don't know why I like alliteration so much (laughs) in word makers, but like the benefit or the barrier, right? So how can we take that, that um, leaning, like that, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, Tendency, maybe I feel like I've said that a hundred times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards <laughs> towards compulsivity, right? To go right. like, oh, I I instead of using that towards like, I feel like I have to eat or I have to engage in this behavior or I, you know, have to over exercise or whatever it is. Right. To, to be able to stop and recognize this is not a negative thing about me. I I have a drive towards this. But how can I actually use that drive? The drive is not the harmful thing, right? Right. It's how we're expressing it and how we're utilizing it. The same as something I talk about a lot, Sarah, is we all have needs that need to be met. And oftentimes we're seeking these disordered eating behaviors to meet the need. And it's the same with our traits and our, um, our drive to do things. It's we get to decide how to use them, right? And that's part of part of where the process of like, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lord, right? Submit it to God and 
go, God, how can I, how can I start seeing myself differently and know that like, I'm not broken. I'm not too far gone to be able to find food or body freedom. Um, so I love that. I think this is a really important area to lean into. So mm-hmm. how would you, how would you recommend, like if someone says just, how do I stop myself from seeing traits that mm-hmm. I might not like? Like, mm-hmm. how do I start challenging them? Because you just gave several examples and, right. and I know like I can see a lot of people taking that and running with it and going, okay, <laughs> let me write out all my traits and figure out how can this be beneficial? Right. And then there's probably some of those of you listening right now who are going, well, that's great, but I feel like I need somebody else to do that for me because I just can't mm. see the positive. I'm having a really hard time recognizing mm-hmm. how this thing could be beneficial. So do you have any strategy or encouragement for someone who might be in that spot saying like, I want to see these things about myself as beneficial, but I just, I don't know mm-hmm. how to get there. Mm-hmm. Three, I have three things. Um, but first of all, before the three things, I think it's a, what we're talking about is really making peace with yourself too. And mm-hmm. when you make peace with yourself, you're no longer in battle in war. And I love the phrase that there's power in resistance. So like whatever we're resisting, like, why is that? So this whole topic is about making peace with yourself. Now the how to, I mean, number one, yes, I think it can be um, highly effective to sit down and think about your own traits that may be contributing. Sometimes this is the easiest way to do it, contributing to your eating disorder patterns and behaviors and thoughts, and then being able to look at them and ask yourself, you know, how could I use these same traits um, to be beneficial in my life? So there is some, you know, self-exploration and journaling that can be very um, insightful. Number two, though, is asking someone that you really love and trust, like, you know, what um, traits and temperament and tendencies, all three T's, right? Traits, temperaments, tendencies, Mm -hmm. do you, do you see in me? And a lot of times those that we love are going to give us the um, light side, the positive side of things. And hopefully they love us enough to tell us some truth without judgment too, and Mm -hmm. shine a light on some places that we could improve and have an opportunity. So self-exploration, also asking people that we love. But the third one is going straight to the Lord and having a conversation and and praying about this for him to direct you with answers. There's two specific scriptures that I love that have to do with light and darkness. And I think they can apply to these traits, temperaments, and tendencies we're talking about. The first one comes from Psalm 1828, for it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. So Brittany, with that scripture, I feel a very call to just say to your listeners that it's through the Holy Spirit and his love that we can see ourselves, how he sees us and his light within us, because that's what this topic is asking us to do, right? Um, The enemy loves to shine areas of darkness and say, oh, look at this. You're compulsive. You're going to stay stuck. You can't get rid of this. And I know you agree, sister. That is not accurate. That is a lie. (laughs) And then the second scripture is John 1, 5, which I'm sure many people know. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
So when we look at our tendencies, realizing that, okay, this may be a, a way I lean, this may be a learned behavior or thought pattern, but light does overcome it. So looking at our traits in a very positive way and how they can serve us and those around us is super healing. I love that you mentioned this light and dark concept because I think so many of us have a tendency and we talk about, I I even talk about it a lot. So I'm not saying like this is a bad thing, but we have a tendency to talk about things and like, you got to avoid the black and the white and the all or nothing thinking. But there is a very real difference in light and dark, right? There is a very real difference in having the Lord walk you through this process and then falling prey to the lies and the schemes of the enemy. And it is as different as light and dark. And yep. it, it makes me think about, you know, the little, this little light of mine song, oh, right? Like this yes. song we learned as a kid, <laughs> right? That like, like wherever there is light, like if you go into a dark room and yes. you light a candle or you turn on a flashlight or whatever it is, you turn on the light on your cell phone, darkness cannot, like it's impossible for the darkness to overcome it. Now the light may not reach in every single corner of the room, but where you're holding it, like it over, it overtakes the darkness. And I love how, like with the scriptures that you mentioned, it's so much, it's so often like we've, we've got to come back to the Lord and we've got to submit to him and know that like, I don't have to do this on my own. Right. This is not all on me. And I think that's often such a huge barrier in feeling like I did this to myself or I caused this, or I have to earn my way to recovery. I have to deserve it. And Mm -hmm there's no scripture that ever says you've got to earn your way to heaven. You've got to deserve recovery. You, you've got to work your way back to being able to deserve God's grace again. Mm -hmm. Grace is a gift. It's a gift. Yes. And he tells us over and over, I was talking about this in another, I've probably mentioned it in numerous episodes at this point, because it's like a foundational one for me, but from Galatians 5, 1, where he talks about it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It gives us that opportunity to see like there are so many aspects of spiritual warfare and the enemy wants to come in with those lies to make us believe there is something wrong with you or God can't use that trait. Like that's right. That is your sin nature and you can't overcome it. That's right. And so, so I love that you spoke into that because scripture is, can be such a huge foundational component to this. It needs to be. And it's such a huge point of, Um, equipping you for that spiritual warfare that is Mm -hmm. eating disorder recovery Mm -hmm. and food freedom. So, and I um, love, by the way, Brittany, you just brought up grace, grace, because I find working with fellow believers, I I work with everybody, but I love working with fellow believers as we can weave in the Lord to their uh, journey um, and open doors for those that are non-believers too. But um, I find over and over again that uh, people and my clients feel that they're letting God down, right? Because they have this in their life. Um, maybe they uh, have this idol of exercise or, um, you know, healthy eating and it's become disordered and they feel, you know, very much like, ugh, God must be so disappointed in me and they carry this burden with them. And I think it's so important to remember the grace and that he loves us and he forgives us and he understands our struggle. He just wants us to come to him with it um, and trust him. 
I love that. And we've got to, we've got to remember that, right? Mm-hmm. And when you don't have someone around you to remind you of that already, that is another place where like the enemy wants to keep us in the dark. He wants us to keep our secrets and our struggles in the dark, because if nobody else knows about it, it feels safe That's and right. it feels controlled. And I did a whole episode on control and surrender. I can't remember what episode it was, but y'all scroll back if you need to learn a little bit more about what it looks like to let go of control. Um, and a huge part of that is maybe it's bringing alongside a coach or somebody on your team. Maybe it is diving headfirst into community. And if you're like, I have no idea where to find community, we have a free Facebook group. Y'all can just go to Google. I think I've got it linked in the show notes, food freedom and body image support for Christian women. Like come in there and say, I loved this conversation with Sarah. These are the traits I have that I feel like are liabilities right now. Mm -hmm. Help me figure out how it can be an asset. Mm -hmm. Like simple things like this. You guys can reach out to Sarah. Sarah, I know you've got, um, you've got a website where we can find you and some resources there. So we'll touch base on that here in a second too. But you guys, please don't stay alone in this process because the enemy wants to make you think that you are the only one going through this. Sarah and I, we do this every day. We know you're not the only ones going through it, right? (laughs) Everybody that comes in my door in my office struggles with some aspect of this in some way. And your struggle doesn't have to look, doesn't have to mirror exactly someone else's struggle in order to, to get support and to feel that connection with someone and be able to relate to mm-hmm. each other. And there, there's something so powerful about that connection and community in the process of recovery. So Sarah, as we get ready to wrap up here in a second, if after listening to this conversation, let's say somebody is in their car, they're out and about, or they're just like, I, I'm going to have to listen to this again. I need to, <laughs> I need the reminder, but what's something I can start doing right now? Like Sarah, what would you say is just one really simple, practical step or strategy that a listener can take after hearing our conversation today so that they can start moving closer to seeing those traits that they Mm -hmm. have, not just as liabilities, but also as assets for their food and body freedom Mm -hmm. journey? I would say just pick one. Don't get too overwhelmed um, with the variety of colors in your personal story, because that can feel like this is too much. I have too many traits and temperaments. So just pick one um, and ask yourself how that can play a positive role in your life. You know, just to name uh, quickly some others that may show up for people, Brittany, on top of the ones that we've already mentioned. Um, obsessiveness can be one, and that as an asset can mean that you're very thorough. Um, yeah. Being critical, and this is something that sometimes we can be feel, feeling more shame about, like, right, I'm critical of myself and others, um, even if it's happening in your mind. But as a positive, as an asset, as the light, that can mean you're discerning. So understanding, hey, how, in what ways does discernment help my walk and help other people around me? So those are just a few others to kind of, you know, keep in mind. Oh, oh, one of my other favorites too is stubbornness. I, ha- I have that one too. <laughs> I have that tendency too. too. Um, but, yes. but as a light, as the light, it can mean you're very determined So I would just say, if you're listening to us right now and you're like, whoa, you guys have thrown out all these different attributes and tendencies, just pick one from our conversation and ask yourself how you can personally start using this as an asset in your life. And maybe you already are. You just haven't recognized like, hey, that's a really good aspect 
of my tendencies that I'm already using is good. Because sometimes, Brittany, just the recognition for yourself that you are directing some of these in a positive way is um, it, it just boosts your self-esteem and realizing like, oh, I can move along further. I love that. So keep it simple. Start with one. Don't get crazy. Just pick one. Right. <laughs> right. Right. We can don't 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 uh, lean towards the perfectionist side right. of I have to get it right. Yeah. Right. Lean towards the OK, I'm going to be intentional with this and I'm going to be diligent with one thing at a time. That's right. I'm not going to try to multitask. I'm going to do one thing at a time and I'm going to do it well. So um So Sarah, for, for anyone who is like either I'm potentially interested in working with a coach, or I just want to learn more about what this could look like, what resources do you have or where would be the best place for people to learn more about you or connect with you? Well, the best way to find me is on my website, sarahleerecovery.com. I am here and there on social media, but honestly, I'm not real active on social media. So my website's the best way to find me. Um, In addition, I've brought up, um, Brittany, that um, I recovered from bulimia. So I have a special passion for those struggling with bulimia. We've talked about isolation and shame. And because of the purging behavior, whether it is actual self-induced vomiting or a non-purging behavior, which sometimes people don't realize this is part of bulimia, like excessive Mm -hmm. exercise, um, it can be very, uh, especially the self-induced vomiting, is there's tons of shame with it. So out of the eating disorders, I'll just step out and say what I felt and what I see in others, bulimia sometimes carry the most shame in secrecy because of that behavior that comes along with it. So fast forward, uh, last year, I spent the whole year with um, a great friend of mine and fellow coach building a online course specifically for bulimia. It's self-paced, it is private, So if someone just wants to start checking out, enter into recovery, if someone needs a new boost in recovery, we have over 70 short videos that covers mind, body, spirit, um, along with some expert interviews. And that is conqueringbulimia.com. So that is that website. You can read more about the course and even find me on there as well. Awesome. Well, we will link that up for you guys in the show notes if y'all want to learn more about that. Um, and like I said, as always, if I, I'm on Instagram as well, y'all know if there's feedback that you have or questions and you want to know more, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram. Um, I try to be consistent with checking those, but um, I'm so glad either way that you guys caught us for this episode of the Joyful Eater podcast is as before we wrap up, Sarah, is there any last words of wisdom or thoughts that you would like to share with us? Well, one more thing. If you're interested in coaching, because I didn't really address that except for my website, because I'm one of the more seasoned coaches, sometimes they refer to me as the OG coach. Um, I'm one of the more seasoned <laughs> ones. I have a vast network. So even if my uh, caseload, my schedule is full, I am committed, Brittany, to helping anybody that comes in to my space help you connect with a coach that is a good match for you. So at no charge or anything, it's just me wanting to help people. So don't be afraid to reach out. And if I'm not the right match, trust me, I'll go find you a right match. 
um, if you're interested in the coaching uh, piece of things uh, to help in your recovery, jumpstart your recovery, whatever it is, wherever you're at. Last words of wisdom. I think the biggest takeaway from our beautiful conversation, Brittany, is just that um, the light will always overcome the dark. So good. So good, y'all. Just meditate on that this week. Take that to the Lord in prayer and just say like, God, where? Show me show me the light when it feels like I'm in the darkness. Show me the areas of light, um, whether it's through a person that is speaking a word of encouragement over you. Maybe it's through a scripture. Maybe it's through a podcast episode. Um, either way, I am so thankful for each and every person who is listening and joining us today. I know you guys could spend your time anywhere that you like. And I don't take it for granted that you choose to spend some of your precious time uh, with me and with me and Sarah together today. So thank you guys again. I will see you next time on the Joyful Ear podcast. And if you've missed hanging out with me and Sarah at In His Image, I'll be sure to link up in the show notes. You guys can grab your virtual ticket. It was It's such an incredible conference and event. So y'all check that out as well. But until next time, friends, may you be filled with joy and abound in hope. Do you feel encouraged or inspired to take your next steps toward food and body freedom after listening to today's episode? If so, would you take 30 seconds to leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? It's the absolute best way to support the show and share what you're loving about it so that we can continue to spread the word and serve you with even more incredible topics and special guests. If you want even more free support on your food freedom and body image journey, then make sure you get on our VIP list right now. As a VIP insider, you'll get bonus podcast content from me every Tuesday to help you press forward on your food freedom journey. And you'll have the opportunity to submit requests for the topics and guests you want to hear from on the show. To get on that list right now, just head to BrittanyBraswellRD.com slash VIP or find the link in today's show notes. And lastly, if you're tired of trying to Google your way to better body image or food freedom, I have something for you. We have a course suite that can help you take your next steps. So whether you're looking for a Christ-centered approach to overcoming disordered eating, wanting to improve your body image without all the worldly affirmations and self-esteem myths, or you just need a little guidance to boost the nutritional value of your meals and snacks at home, I've got you covered, friend. Head to BrittanyBraswellRD.com slash DIY to check out our signature courses and find the one that best fits what you need right now. Thanks again for spending your time with me today. I'll see you next time on the Joyful Eater Podcast.